The Start On Demand. Hello there, it's Brett on the Thursday edition of the Mackling and McGarry 680 CJOB Morning Show podcast. We're going to talk about reward points. Air Canada wants to buy back Aeroplan. Do you collect reward points? And if so, which ones do you like the most? Also, we're going to go to Cook's Creek for the small town salute. They've got an event coming up called the Medieval Festival in which they do live jousting, real-life jousting. How cool is that? We're also going to visit with a man behind a fringe festival play called Mercury Man, the last performance of Orson Welles, who is the man behind one of, if not the most iconic film ever in Citizen Kane, and behind one of, if not the most iconic radio broadcasts ever, in War of the Worlds. We were very excited to learn about that. And finally, we're going to learn about Indian cuisine and culture from someone who teaches Indian cuisine and culture. Enjoy the podcast. We've got Kelly Moore. Jeff Braun, Channel Evadell, and of course producer Kyle in the studio. The Air Air Canada leading a hostile takeover of Aeroplan. The airline announced in May 2017 it would cut ties with the loyalty company, but it's now offering boy, that's a pretty quick about face. It's now offering $2.25 billion for the AMIA owned con- company. Global's Reed Feist reports. Sandra Matias used her Aeroplan miles for a cross-country family trip on Air Canada this summer. Oh, I prefer them getting back together. We're actually traveling on points today and uh, yeah, we double dip with our points using credit card and, uh, and flying with Air Canada. Frequent flyer Kevin Sr. says he had plans to blow through his remaining points. I think it's a, it's a prudent move on their behalf just because somebody like myself um, I probably wouldn't have stayed with the plan. Air Canada launched its frequent flyer program in 1984. In 2008, Aeroplan was sold to AMIA. Last May, Air Canada announced it wanted to start another rewards program, but this new offer shows Air Canada, TD, CIBC, and Visa see greater value in the Aeroplan brand. The cost and pain that will happen around trying to build out a program from scratch uh, you know, I, I, I think some clear thinking has come into play and it's, hey, if we can get this at a price that works for us, let's not reinvent the wheel. It's a pivotal moment in Aeroplan's history. Last week, AMIA unveiled its plan to revamp Aeroplan, allowing redemptions with multiple airlines, including charters. But it's no secret Air Canada's 2017 breakup with Aeroplan hit the company hard. Its stock price is dropping 70%. AMIA is considering the takeover bid. Without Air Canada, what is Aeroplan? Yeah, that's the question. That's a good question. I, I don't know what it would be without Air Canada, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I love their program. I think it works well the way it is right now. The offer is valid until August 2nd. Points collectors everywhere waiting to see if the deal will fly. Reed Feist, Global News, Calgary. So today we're having coffee talking. Do you go out of your way to participate in reward programs? And I'm looking over at your uh, teacup here, uh, Jeff Braun. Yep. Is that a free one? Uh, nope. It's a large. You only get a free medium from McDonald's. Oh, free medium? Yeah. And how many do you have to buy to get a free one? Seven. 
So is that and there's a little sticker on it? Is that why you go out of your way to uh, you know to to get your tea no. or your coffee at McDonald's? <laughs> I don't go out of my way. I just it's very convenient to oh, add the okay. sticker to it. So I've got I think full like take seven, and I've got about twelve in my bag filled out. I just haven't collected the free coffee yet. Well, get on it, man. I miss the subway stickers. Yes. Oh. Was there's, there's a card where you where yeah. you need 10, or was it 9 and you get the 10th free? Something like that. Yeah. There's I, also, uh, I can't remember what it's called, a burger joint I sometimes go to that does a similar thing. And I think it's even fewer. I think you only need five. And I've got like six cards in my wallet, each with a single punch in it, because I forget <laughs> that I have a card already. Okay. You have to start so a I'm going to do it every time. And I was like, come on. I know. It's like talking to the bar. Same oh. thing. Can you combine them, you think? I don't know. Sure you can. Yeah, I'm, but I I'll, I'll you never can. think of it until I'm like getting the receipt and putting it in my wallet. It's like, oh, <laughs> I've been here before, apparently. <laughs> uh, Kelly, do you collect rewards? Uh, we collect rewards. I don't go out of my way for it. Uh, we're we're what I like to refer to as point. Uh, I can't. Should I? Can I say it on the point Ooh. pegs? I'll say it uh, w- because we love the travel, and we have a daughter in BC, and try to help her out when we can. Uh, so uh, we collect points on our on our credit cards. Uh, I've never been uh, an Aeroplan member because I try to avoid Air Canada at all costs. So, Ooh, wow, yeah, wow. When I traveled, when I traveled uh, uh, for a living. Uh, I'll just say my experiences with Air Canada were less than pleasurable. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. Very good. No, hey, that's uh, your sentiment is shared by many for sure. Shanley Vidal, what about you? Uh, Well, I have an uh, Air Miles just because it's uh, like attached to my credit card. Don't use it. Don't do anything with it. Because uh, I, I can't really be bothered, and I don't have enough points to really get anything good. But what I do like is the things, the ones where you get something free, um, like Starbucks. Okay, if I sign up, they're going to give me a free something on my birthday. Uh, Sephora will give me something free as well. Uh, I had joined the the scene, the, the movie movie points one a little while ago. They sent me an email the other day, free movie. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good. My boyfriend got one too, so it's like I get a date out of this. So those are the things I go for, not those ones where you need to. To collect like you know two thousand points to get something because I can't can't keep track of that and I don't want to be bothered. Just give me the free stuff. Is the popcorn free? No, Never. <laughs> no. But I make my boyfriend buy it. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you get I think you get you get scene points for buying popcorn. The scene card used to give you a discount on the popcorn yeah, and drink. It doesn't points. anymore. No, it now you just get points. No, you no, don't. No. no more discount. You oh. Just get points. But the points, mm. yeah. And I think the points. I think you need five hundred or something for a free movie. And I looked at mine on the bottom of the ticket, and it said I had over 5,000. So I was like, oh, I could cash in pretty good with that. Do you have those on separate cards, too? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I think it might it might be 1,000, although that might um, be for a 3D movie, so I'm not sure about that. Greg? Well, uh, we've had air miles forever, and we only cashed them in once. It was about seven years ago, and we actually bought gift certificates for a, a for a hotel chain and so it actually paid for three nights hotels when we went to Minneapolis years ago on a holiday but we have enough air miles to buy a couple of tickets the problem is when you go to book it there's four of us traveling yeah. good luck combining your air miles travel with purchased travel and getting on the same flight oh, because yeah. right you got to do the milk run half the time in order to cash in your flight you're going to Hamilton via Tuktiuktuk like go you know, Avion and you never you know, have to do that it's just it's just not right so uh, we've got a bunch of miles that are sitting there I'd like to see Aeroplan come back because I was an Aeroplan member 
remember once upon a time, and and that was pretty beneficial. Uh, the air miles thing, it just feels like I used to justify it. I don't have time to go on a holiday, never mind get a free one. So, you know, I used to justify it that way, but now I'm just bitter that we can't use the miles to, to, to go anywhere for other reasons. I've got air miles. I've been collecting them, I think, since I was 18, and I don't think I've once checked the balance. <laughs> <laughs> so for all I know, I have enough miles to get me around the it's world. It's easy to do. You go on the website and you just put your air mile number in and, and you can get a pin and boom, you can find out real quick. We yeah. should do that this morning. Millhouse, what a, we got about 45 seconds. Um, we have a lot of air miles. We have one of those, uh, we have a black air miles card, actually. A my, black my, one? Yeah, to tell me like about a, this? Like a fancy person. Wow. Um, no, my wife, up until recently, she needed uh, drugs that t- cost a lot of money. We don't pay for it. It's through Pharmacare, but you can go to Safeway and get your air miles on like three grand worth of drugs per month. So we would, we've been on like a half a dozen trips with air miles. Those oh my God. Di- those yeah. are dirty points. Dirty points. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's a loophole that we happily accept. Good <laughs> for you, producer Kyle. Now time for the small town salute. It's brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart. SouthBeachCasino.ca, where are we going today, Brett? We are headed to Cook's Creek to find out more about the Medieval Festival taking place this weekend. We are joined live on 680 CJOB by Scott Chablick, co-organizer of the festival. Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing this morning? Doing very well. Excited to learn about this event uh, because, you know, when you Google Cook's Creek Medieval Festival, it takes you to, uh, there's an Eventbrite page, and right there on the page is the picture of an actual joust. So you guys get its full medieval regalia, and you, you get you throw down? Yeah, this is uh, kind of like the Medieval Times Arena shows taken to the nth degree. Uh, you've got, we have actual professional knights, full armor, horseback, uh, full jousting, and this is not in any way staged. This is the real deal. They actually have a, uh, a competition circuit, not unlike NASCAR, where they compete in different areas and amass points, and this is one of their stops this time. Oh, so it's not so like, it, a, like a performance. They're, they're really going at it. They are really going at it. Yeah, we had, uh, I know at our our last event, we actually had one knight whose horse reared up and threw him, and him and his 200 pounds of armor went crashing to the ground. He shattered his collarbone, and when he came back from the hospital later on, it was like a badge of honor for him. He was all grins and smiles. Well, this is uh, news to me and uh, Brett, maybe you as well, that this is a thing, that there's an actual competition circuit. So this is, like you say, not just a demonstration, it's an actual competition. So this is obviously one of the highlights of events this weekend. What are some of the other highlights, if you don't mind sharing with us? Uh, we've got heavy armor battle. We have archery whoa, whoa, whoa. demonstrations. You don't skip over that. Don't skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Heavy, heavy combat and armor? What is that? Uh, it's exactly what you'd think. Sword play, maces, it's all, this is a performance, uh, but it's, it's all authentic. It's all the, it's not cosplay. This is, this is all uh, actual stuff to show you what it was like to live during the medieval times. And are the, uh, uh, the swords they use the real deal? Oh, you'll hear the clanging from a mile or two away for sure. Have you ever swung one of these swords? 
I did actually. Uh, I did a, a, a spot with our uh, probably mutual friend John Youngberg a few years back, and uh, I ended up shattering a sword on a knight's armor, uh, and that's no exaggeration. Oh my! It, it, yeah, it was something to see. Uh, we also have lots of stuff for the kids to do. So we've got organized kids games and uh, medieval bouncy castle for them. Uh, there's all the food you can imagine during the day. As well, during the evening, we do have a medieval feast. Uh, tickets sold out for that in a matter of about seven hours for 450 tickets. And you're eating everything from smoked pork to corn on the cob to different vegetables to rice. We've got a particular soup. Uh, of course, the rules are there's no utensils allowed except for the <laughs> soup. We give you a spoon. And we do have a stockade. So if we catch anybody using a utensil, they go in the stocks. Nice. The medieval oh, festival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taking place at Cook's Creek this weekend, Scott Chablick is one of the organizers of this festival. Now, there might be only one thing more impressive than the lineup of entertainment and activities, and and that's the actual venue for this. Tell us a little bit about it, Scott. Uh, It takes place at the Immaculate Conception Church and Grotto, and uh, people can check out immaculate.ca to find location and photos, but essentially it's roughly nine miles east of Highway 59 off Garvin Road, and then uh, two miles north on Highway 212, Cooks Creek Road. So it's pretty simple to get there. Uh, the grotto is, you you think you're looking at an actual medieval castle when you see the photos of it. Uh, and the grounds themselves, we had nearly 3,000 people at our last event, uh, at the one-day event. This time, for the first time, we're doing two days, so it's Saturday and Sunday. Tickets are available at the gate, $15 walk-up, uh, $5 for children under 12, and preschoolers are free. I went uh, once, did, actually was part of uh, a wedding photo shoot at the Grotto. My buddy Keith, a.k.a. the the Rizza, as we call him, he got married back in, I don't know, the, the 1990s at the Grotto, and it was my first time there. It is just such a spectacular place to be. How old is the Grotto? Uh, the construction in the grotto began in the 30s and 40s, as well as with the church. I don't know the exact actual date off the top of my head, but it's generally in that in that uh, in that era. Uh, the actual the event we're using it as a fundraiser to do some restoration work on the grotto. We're looking at a 1.2 to 1.5 million dollar bill to get that thing brought back up to snuff because we want to make sure it doesn't come crumbling down in our generation. Well, Scott, while we've got you here, why don't you tell us about what's happening on the uh, Labor Day weekend at the Grotto? Labor Day weekend is a little bit interesting. Uh, September the 2nd, there's a, we found that it's a great venue out back there for concerts as well in the back with the, the Grotto serving as a backstop. And we've got a local boy that some people might have heard of. Burton Cummings is playing a concert for us on September the 2nd. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, that that should be That would be a great spot to see Burton Cummings play. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, we've we've tapped the well a couple times with different concert series and had the uh, free ride uh, among others out there and had a great time. So we figured we're going all in on this one. So we've got Burton Cummings uh, main main heading it and uh, opening up with Harlequin. So uh, we don't do anything halfway in Cook Street. We figured if we're going to do it, we're going to do it and make people talk about it. I love it. Are there still tickets available for that Harlequin Burton Cummings show? Yes, there are. Uh, Again, online at immaculate.ca, and you can click the link quite easily. And uh, tickets are $125 or $150 for VIP seating. Now, I also see on here uh, something that's caught my attention. The Garden of Ale. 
Uh, first of all, what will you be serving in said garden? And second, will you be serving it in like uh, like horns or like what well, old school mugs? Well, the the budget wouldn't allow us to provide uh, flasks and 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 horns for everyone uh, to to use. But should you have your own uh, empty flask to, or empty uh, uh, carafe to bring along with you, just show us at the front that it's empty, and uh, you're probably more than welcome to put your beer into, or so I'm sorry, your ale into it, uh, <laughs> that you can uh, purchase from the Garden of Ale and uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, the grounds are closed and licensed for the event, so it's not like you have to just sit tight. You're pretty much free reign. And uh, the sight lines, if you see some of the photos, this, the, the view from the top of the grotto is uh, it has to be witnessed. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, no, I I second that. It's uh, it's such a neat place to to visit, um, and it's and I've never been to an event at the grotto, so this would be such a neat thing to see. I still can't get over that it's full contact jousting, uh, and you said two hundred pounds of armor. Do these guys make them make their armor themselves? No, I believe they have them made for them. Uh, I I couldn't guess where because I know most of them are actually stainless steel armor. Uh, and I did have uh, in that in that previously mentioned John Youngberg bit. I did have a knight uh, actually mug and fall on top of me, and I can vouch for that armor being <laughs> being a couple hundred pounds for sure, with a couple hundred pounds inside it. So uh, it was it was it was quite interesting. Scott, so, uh, keep going, Scott. Uh, I was just saying the the format is that uh, the preliminaries uh, of the jousting take place on the Saturday. And then the semifinals and finals take place on the Sunday. And just in case, we've got lots and lots of merchants that are going to be set up throughout the, the two days. So just in case you've looked in your closet and you can no longer find your chain mail, <laughs> we do have a smith there who will be manufacturing chain mail that you can buy. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I, think yeah I, we, I think I sold mine off to, uh, to Value Village, so... I'm, I'm well, fresh you out. Can get a new one, and if you need a sword and a stone, we've got that as well. We have a draw for that. Uh, it's there's so much stuff that uh, unfortunately I'm probably forgetting to make mention of. But you'll you'll never spend fifteen dollars more wisely than coming out for the day, either Saturday or Sunday, or both. Scott, you've painted an incredible radio picture, as we call it. We appreciate this very much. And obviously the fund's going to an incredible cause. This is what I would consider one of those win-win-win situations. Great value, great entertainment with the cause behind it to keep the grotto and the church uh, functional and to preserve this incredible part of Manitoba history. Cook's Creek Medieval Festival taking place this weekend. Scott Chablick, thanks for this. Thanks very much, gentlemen. If you can make it out, come and find me. We'll see if we can't throw an apple on your head for our professional (laughs) archers. Right now, we want to talk about butter chicken. Nan and curries want to turn our attention to tasty Indian cuisine and how you can learn to make it for yourself at home. We are joined live in studio by teacher of Indian cooking, Nandita Salvanathan. Nandita, thank you for for coming to see us today. We appreciate yeah, thank the you visit. For, thank you for having me. I think it's a really good thing we had that fish and chips at 8 o'clock, courtesy of the Blue Bombers, because I love Nan. I love butter chicken. 
Uh, curries are a moving target for me, but talk about a little bit in general the philosophy behind Indian cooking, if you wouldn't mind, Nandita, because there are so many regions of India. Is there any one way to describe Indian food? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, there's no one way. And uh, so my I have a PhD degree in microbiology, but uh, cooking has been my passion uh, because I learned it, how to cook all the details from my mother as I was growing up in India. And um, so um, our motto here is Bahujana uh, Hitaya, Bahujana Sukhaya means this is a Sanskrit line from Rigved, and it says, uh, for the welfare of many, for the happiness of many. So my website, as it shows, uh, my website is www.learnwithnancy.com. And that's a motto I follow. It's the health and happiness for all. And in my Indian cuisine classes, I teach uh, how to mix taste with nutrition uh, and uh, so the, it's very varied. So what I teach actually is the gluten-free, the vegan, and uh, whatever is popular like butter chicken, like naan, like basmati pulao. And Indian cuisine, uh, you can easily divide in North Indian cuisine and South Indian cuisine. And they vary uh, like depend on the ingredients. They vary with the spices and uh, uh, there is more fermentation technique used in Southern cuisine. But in the West, which is more popular, is a North Indian cuisine. So whatever I teach, uh, like cauliflower or basmati pulao, all those are very much um, North Indian cuisine I teach. What, what was that second item? You said uh, cauliflower and then the second item? Uh, pulao, basmati. It's made from the basmati rice, the flavored, oh, okay, yeah. flavored aromatic rice. And yes. that's very much grown in uh, northern India. I also talk about the health benefits of various spices as per Ayurveda. As you know, Ayurveda is an ancient medical form. And uh, it, the spices just don't add flavor, taste to the food. They have, when used properly, properly blended, they have lots of health benefits. And I love to talk about them. And I also give talks, presentations, and workshops on spices. And as you probably know, India is the biggest producer of all the spices and the biggest exporter. And I think there is a lot of uh, interest in spices and how you can use them, how to add flavor to your food, how to add the aroma, apart from um, adding the health benefits, the nutritional aspect. Nope. And well, well, you know, the, the, let's face it, uh, it, it can get boring eating chicken or pork or, or whatever the kind of the core uh, protein is in your life, whether it's tofu or, or something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so spice is one way to make it uh, uh, create a huge yeah. variety exactly. of different foods with the same yeah. sort of base, right? Exactly. And uh, India, the plus point is that uh, there's a lot of vegetarianism. The millions of people are vegetarian. Uh, due to religious purposes and in the family also. So there's a huge variety of uh, vegetarian dishes. And uh, so that's one thing I'm noticing that people are more becoming more vegetarian here. Mm-hmm. And it's um, all my classes are always full because of that reason. People want to know how to create a little bit of variety in the vegetarian dishes. And Manitoba, uh, like especially at this time, we have such beautiful harvest. So we always use locally grown and everything from the fresh 
So at the end of the class or the workshop, when we all sit together and eat, it's a very pleasant experience for me. And it's very easy for me to connect to the community and develop a bond coming all the way from India to Canada, Manitoba. You know, I, that that's the part I really enjoy, that connecting to people, connecting to the community at a, the soul level. Well, and there's you don't just teach cuisine. You talk about all sorts of different things. You talk about mythology, for example, as well as something called uh, mandala and yeah. meditation. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, that is, you know, a mandala when I teach. Mandala is a very ancient art form. And the first time the word mandal was used was in Rig Veda, which is an ancient uh, Sanskrit scripture. So I focus on chakra mandalas. So we actually, uh, we what what we do is on each mandala we chant together, we meditate on each chakra, and then we create uh, mandalas uh, using a different type of material. So we bring our inner artist through meditation, and then. I encourage everybody, facilitate everybody to paint whatever your heart feels like. So that's a way of um, balancing all your seven chakras and meditating while creating a piece of art. That's that's what we do in mandala. How do you how do you how do you describe a chakra? Seven 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 chakras. Yeah. Okay. How, how, what is what is a chakra? Chakra is a you would say a subtle energy center in the body, which uh, which have been practicing. I think uh, chakra balancing is a very crucial way of. Um, uh, balancing your energy sites in your body. And it goes from your basic needs, uh, all the materialistic needs, to your spiritual needs. So when you're trying to walk on a spiritual path, it's very important that you balance all your energy sites inside the body, which are very subtle. You really can't say this is the place or a, a muscular structure or anything like that. Biologically, you can't, but these are all the subtle energy sites in the body. And uh, it's very important to balance these to uh, feed your soul, to create that balance in your body, mind and soul to the basic level. that in the early years of the 20th century this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns they were scrutinized and studied perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. We mentioned the most iconic radio broadcast ever. What was that, Greg? War of the Worlds. Absolutely changed the way people viewed radio for better or for worse at the time. And Citizen Kane, we were talking about this off air and off mic. The fact that that might be the most influential film made of all time, which brings us to one man incredibly could be responsible for both things. That's right. There are 178 productions that are part of this year's Winnipeg Fringe Festival and only a few more days to get your fringe on. 
One of those plays that this year's Fringe has to do with the man we're talking about, Orson Welles. It's called Mercury Man, the last performance of Orson Welles, and Joel Pettigrew is the writer and director of Mercury Man, and he's live here in studio. Mr. Pettigrew, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. What is it about Orson Welles, his story, his legacy, if we can call it that, that drew you to this production and to create this? Well, essentially, I hadn't seen anything that looked at Wells's life from uh, the vantage point of looking back from his last production. Uh, it's kind of a bit of Wells trivia that he ended up playing the voice of cartoon robot planet Rob- Unicron in the Transformers, the animated movie from 1986. But I, I hadn't really seen anything where it was him looking back and just trying to assess how do I go from, as you so eloquently put it, creating the most well-known film and radio broadcast of all time to basically uh, shilling toys for a giant commercial, which is how he put it. So I, I hadn't seen that done before. And it also gave me an opportunity to explore those early years through the flashback sequences in the play, uh, looking at just how frenetic it was, that energy of the early days, because the, the play is about essentially the creation of the Mercury. That's what we explore in the flashbacks. And basically looking at how hectic it was, him running into different studios, throwing on different voices at the drop of a hat, and just running back to the theater, rehearsing, grabbing a quick bite, hopping on the typewriter, writing something, and then going out back and doing it all again. And just that energy, that excitement was really something I wanted to capture and help transport the audience to as well. I actually have a clip here. I think this is the one from Transformers, the movie from 1980. Five was it eighty five or eighty six, Joel? Uh, he he did the recording at eighty five, and then in eighty six was the actual movie came okay. out. Okay, well, so I'm going to fire this clip. I think this is the one. You underestimate me, Galvatron. For a time, you considered sparing your wretched little planet, Cybertron. But now, you shall witness its dismemberment. Yeah, complete with the cheesy music. You can fade that out as you uh, as you wish, there, Kyle. But uh, yeah, just I I loved. He brought more to that, even though he was just shilling mm. for toys. He still get like he made that character so menacing and so quietly menacing, and uh, that that was something. I think that was just part of of what he brought to whatever he did. Right, he was just such a complete artist. Yeah, and that, again, that kind of viewpoint was, it was based on a quote he said, uh, his kind of view of that performance looking back. But it's, yeah, it is important to note that that movie, uh, for a lot of people, was iconic. Like, the death of Optimus Prime, right, ruined so many childhoods. Yeah. Uh, and people love that villain. They love Unicron, just the the deep voice. Um, it's 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 kind of weird, but it's not dissimilar to probably one of the greatest villains he ever played as well, uh, Harry Lyme. You know, just a couple of lines in the movie, just a few minutes of screen time, but such an impact. And uh, a a lot of the play is also about him just coming to realize that the the impact he still has and that he's not diminished. So this play that you've put together, Mercury Man, uh, I guess just tell us about, uh, you know, how you came up with the idea to do or maybe walk us through what we would see in this production. 
Well, uh, you're going to get a multimedia experience. We have projected animation, live radio sound effects, and we bring black and white Hollywood silver screen characters to life in all of their monochromatic glory before your very eyes. Uh, it's a it's a very fun, fast paced. Play, as I've said before, it's kind of got a screwball comedy vibe to it in some of the flashback scenes, a lot of fast-paced ratatat dialogue. Uh, it's it's a constantly changing and constantly moving piece. Uh, there's a lot of movement and energy to it. Uh, so uh, that time will just fly right by. We've, we've had people say that sitting there, they just walked up and they're like, oh, wow, it's, you know, it's <laughs> that was 90 minutes. I can't believe it. So, yeah, you're, you're really, uh, and again, that idea of just kind of transporting you back uh, to that nostalgic past. Uh, the production of this was designed by Christina Coxon and uh, really kind of brought the world of Orson Welles to life in those early years. You used the word frenetic earlier, mm-hmm. and when you look at Orson Welles and his body of work, and never mind his writing and, and all the other things that he did on screen, it, his life had to have been frenetic itself. I mean, and the pace of this production probably mimics the way Orson Welles lived a, a lot of his time on Earth. Yeah, and that was one of the attractions to it because it's it, it's that vicarious thing where you want to be as an artist working in the way he did. Like uh, uh, somebody, I think you were asking uh, before earlier, Greg, how do you how do you make you know both the most well known radio broadcast and movie of all time? And I think a big reason for that is he he didn't he either didn't know or didn't care about limitations. He was just like, okay, I'm going to throw this at the wall and see what sticks. And very much that was his philosophy on Citizen Kane was, well, if my eye can see this, why can't the camera see this? So his ability to push the boundaries was just not not giving into the word no, essentially. And that's, that's kind of the thing I think that uh, still manages to inspire people uh, with the life of Orson Welles is just his attitude. He he never stopped, never. He was supposed to be shooting a pilot on the day he died. He was supposed to be shooting a television show. He, he never stopped. He never gave up. He was always just going forward with it, even if, as uh, he said himself, maybe it wasn't the best thing for me. Maybe I should have done something else. But uh, he, he was addicted to his craft. He truly was. And just couldn't escape it. Once he got a taste of movies, that was it. That, that was what his life was going to be. And that's what it ended up him being, him chasing the director's chair his whole life. He must have got a lot of that from his dad. His dad was an inventor. His mom was very musically inclined and can only imagine that, that some of that soaked down and, and, and became a part of who Wells was, Brett. Yeah, we, we got about 60 seconds left here. So why don't you just give us, the, if we want, oh, you know what? Who is the Mercury Man? Uh, well, Mercury Man basically takes its name from uh, the idea of the Mercury Theater. So we've we've had a lot of people coming up to us with different interpretations. Some think, oh, it's it's Mercurial or the God Mercury. For me, it's it's a it's the creation of the Mercury Theater and this idea of Mercury rising and uh, basically this epic 
very sudden build uh, before an eventual come down. So that's that's what it means to me. Okay, so it's uh, playing at the Rachel Brown Theater at two eleven Bannertine, as you mentioned. Runtime ninety minutes. Uh, what, what's the website where we can get more information? Uh, you can go to winnipegfringe.com or you can follow us on Facebook at dramatichat.com. We have an event page there, uh, and the response to this show has been incredible. From incredible, sorry, from <laughs> incredible, incredible. That's a new uh, Transformers character. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, just from uh, audiences and critics, people are really, really gravitating to this uh, show about doing what it is you're made to do. Joel Pettigrew is the writer and director of Mercury Man, the last performance of Orson Welles, and it's playing at Winnipeg Fringe Festival. Joel, thanks for coming in to tell, tell us about this. It sounds really cool. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight being here. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.